Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's time for a Rich and Bolelli chat, including our shared joy of the tasty new show, Reservation Dogs. Speaking of dogs, Azog the Defiler executes a well-deserved revenge on a hateful duo. It's so much easier to like people when you don't have to read what they're thinking about. Izzy writes songs, choosing not to engage, and it's confirmed. Being a dick never really improves the situation at all. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast, episode 206. Another fantastic Rich and Bolelli episode. And not a big downer, just contemplating what's what with the world and trying to straighten it out and uh, achieving not much, but hopeful nonetheless. Across from me, as usual, in a beautiful overcast day in Ojai. Mr. Daniele Bolelli, who's been smelling shit all evening. Here I am. I'm sorry about that. That's a bummer. I'm sleepy. Man, I am so sleepy. Yeah, a whole night of tending to a sick dog uh, on the hour on the dot didn't allow for much for much sleep i had an entire two hours straight and i paid for it with shit all over the house but uh, after that i soberly abstained from sleep so i am tired even because i'm not i'm the kind of person who gets his eight hours a night rather happily so this sucks well perhaps future uh, incorporate a sleeping bag and just stay outside all right well on that note, <laughs> let's. Uh, <laughs> before I forget even my own name, uh, let's say thank you to a couple of folks. Excellent. Starting with uh, grasslandbeef.com. Oh, my. Yes. Did you get a chance to try the stuff from last time? We're going to boil the bones this week, so we'll see what that's about. But Bison bones in a soup. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, so if you guys want to check them out, I really like their products. Uh, along with it, thank you to Shore Design T-shirts as always. And thank you to zebraathletics.com. Last but not least, thank you to the folks keeping the drunk in the drunken Taoist, Aum Cellars, and materawines.com. One more thank you, which yes, is yes. the sweet folks who part with their hard-earned money to donate to us, which is a very, very sweet concept. Absolutely. So, <laughs> let the pottering begin. Let's say thank you to Robert Primos, Christopher Parcel, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo, Clayton Payne, Austin Steelwell, Ross Cranham, Frederick Hahn, Andrius Giovaisa, Mike Allen, Nicola Togni, Gregory Richmond, Aistis Giusca, John Vergara, Thomas Robinson, Nick Zunick, Lisa Robles, Samuele Rudelli, David Todd, Jim D'Amico, Diana Lynch, Froggy Style Productions. Heroes, each and every one. Yes, indeed. If you want to join the brave band of heroes, 
go to paypal.me forward slash dbolelli. That's paypal.me forward slash the letter D and then B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Alternative way to help us out, use our Amazon link at dbamazing.com for whatever Amazon purchase you want to make and it helps us a bunch. Again, that's dbamazing.com. Having said all that, let's jump into this episode. Here we go. Speaking of dogs, reservation dogs. Yes. That is is the happiness in my life right now, just watching these little hoodlums. Yeah. The first three episodes I thought were one of the greatest things I've seen on TV for quite a while. Does that end with Uncle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Uncle episode included is pure genius. Episode four, I hated with a passion. I thought it was- the one with the cop? Well, no, that's the last one. That's five. Episode four, I felt it was the exact opposite of the first three. There wasn't anything... Like, the first three are hilarious. You're laughing your ass off all the time. Episode four, there was no humor. There was just heavy. was... And lo and behold, it was written by different people. The first three are written by Sterling Harjo, the creator of the show. Episode four, he loaned it out saying, hey, my fellow friends, join me in these. And they clearly lack what it took to deliver. Episode 5, he directed it, but not written it, if I remember correctly, and it's good, but not as good as the first three. So I'm curious to see where it's going. But overall, regardless, just what they gave me in the first three episodes, coolest thing on TV. It's just so funny. I like Episode 3, I was literally hurting. Like, I would watch, and my abs were like, oh, make it stop. Ah, I'm laughing too much. It's just too... Someone get Uncle High. Yeah, that one was fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty good. Check it out. It's on Hulu. We just found it delightful too. So it's great because so much of the native stuff has always been in very stereotypical terms. Either like the old days was like vicious savage who scalp the poor white people and the cavalry to save the day, or it was the positive stereotype. Either the poor stoic victim. Or the um, super spiritual Tear in touch with nature with the pollution guy. Yes, exactly. Who, by the way, was Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, and again, better than the alternative. You know, better than the negative stereotype. I rather have Pocahontas than have the old racist crap. But still, there are some issues. And then these, which instead is native made from a native perspective, with that classic native humor that you find showing up in I don't know man I thought it was brilliant I thought the casting was delightful too yeah they are fantastic they're all good looking kids but they're not like Hollywood standard nope and they are funny they deliver those lines so well yep Uh, so yeah I think it'll come around it's always I don't know I've been watching the new second season of the Ted Lasso show too which is also I haven't it's uh it's just Make you feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important. I it's find really that... important these days. When we watch that show and the episodes over, it's like even if not great things happen, it's just refreshing. There's good attitudes. There's a guy that's leading the way. 
It's just a tasty show. I mean, one day I woke up cranky. I was in a bad mood. I wasn't feeling that great physically. I was feeling going down this weird path of like, this is going to suck. We watched Reservation Dogs for lunch. I laughed so hard. The rest of the day was like, all that stuff was poof, gone. Suddenly, even physically, I was feeling better. So it's there's some serious magic at play. Maybe we just need to turn off all the news channels. Yeah, well, that's going to get me going. Uh, You know what? Let's throw one sideline on, uh, since you mentioned dogs, let's throw one, and then uh, I'm going to be on the let's turn off the news channel. Dogs. So that epic creature, I hate to say dog because the reality is that you look at Azog the Defiler, he looks like a lot of things. Dog is not the first word that come to mind. He's like a little stuffed animal toy thing. He's just fuzzy and cute, but in my mind, dogs are big creature with he's funny in any case actual descendants of wolves not of cats yeah exactly yeah Azog is literally smaller than some cats so it's he's wonderfully fierce though I love every time he wants to tussle every time oh he's adorable he's adorable but yeah so we well a while back I may have even mentioned this before but there's the follow up if I didn't mention it well here you got the whole story otherwise you get a quick <laughs> recap to catch us up to the newest episode previously yeah, Sav was out for a walk with the good uh, Azog the Defiler, and then uh, she passes by a house in the neighborhood that's all decked in Trump signs and stuff. I'm sure it's purely a coincidence, but how come two people who, upon seeing her and there's no one else on the street, man and woman, they, man in an intentionally loud voice, are going like, walking in Hawaii these days, it feels like being where in Mexico or something, I hate it. And the woman goes, I know it's terrible, isn't it? And never mind that, you know, Cambodians, Mexicans, all the same, right? Doesn't even, it's like, but whatever, that's beside the point. But also, I understand if suddenly your hidden racist tendencies show up because you see five tough, tattooed guys and you freak out and you're scared and suddenly you start projecting your racist fears onto them i'm like he's still shitty but i understand the logic i play a little more but like you see a pleasant maiden exactly walking with their cute pup it's like what the probably smile on her face yeah seriously so that's the reaction like how but scared and hateful do you have to be that that's your reaction you know what i mean clueless as to where you actually live right oh hi california Mm -hmm. right it's like i'm sure that's exactly how mexicans felt when they got invaded in 1848 but i'm exactly or how the the natives felt when the spanish exactly so but regardless so one day savannah is in l.a <clears throat> and we're on the phone and I'm taking Azog for his morning walk and Azog, uh, he the rest of the time we take him wherever in the morning it's his walk he decides where we go so he leads the way and this time he leads the way down that same street right and I'm like hey I think I'm down that same street where you went that time and she's like oh you'll see that house it's pretty clear which one it is and <laughs> <laughs> and I tell her, he's like, don't worry, we're on a mission. Zach, um, <clears throat> Azog is going to poop right on their lawn. Fantastic. So off we go. We go through probably, because we go through a few blocks. So we go through maybe 100 houses, and we don't see it anywhere. And Azog is just trotting along, doing his thing. 
on our way back, suddenly, oh, I see it. It's this house for <laughs> sure. It's very clearly this house red, based red on, ad on top of it. Yeah, there's like all the American number one and this and that and the other. And on cue, Azog stops, squats, and takes a shit right there. And I was like, oh my God, you're a magical dog. What are the odds? You pass a hundred houses. You could have done it anywhere. He nope. felt that hate. Yep. And he was like, here we go. I'm here to avenge my, my sweet Savannah. So that was pretty funny. Fantastic. Yeah, I was very impressed with Mr. Defiler. He defiled in the right spot. And nobody storming out that day? No. Nope. you were on? Oh, man. No, but yeah, that was... Uh, but yeah, it's... That's where we're at. Yeah. That's where we're at. Which actually brings me to, um, since you were going there about the news channel and uh, politics and the thing, I've been in a weird period lately, and I think it's influenced by reading stuff on social media and seeing, because uh, it's so much easier to like people when you don't have to read what they're actually thinking a lot of the time. And sometimes there are people that you meet them and they are sweet and they are nice and they are kind to you. They are pleasant to talk about the weather and their grandkids or whatever. But suddenly when you look at like some of the stuff that they put out there, their thoughts about other things, the their politics, their this, their that and the other, so much of this hateful at the end of the day, not only hateful, but just plain stupid. Like you look at it and you're like I don't mind you having different opinions. You can have be really smart and be different opinions, but god damn, this is stupid. It's like, how do you manage? So the contradiction between the already the people who are pleasant on a personal level are not exactly everybody. So out of that smaller chunk, now you have to start cutting out the chunk of people who are just mind-numbingly stupid in their opinions and flat-out hateful. It start becoming a really lonely word. You know what I mean? It's like the numbers start reducing so much that suddenly when somebody you like, their posts come up, I'm like, I don't think I want to read it because I want to, in an ideal world, I would like not to be down to talking to myself all day long. <laughs> so I think it's like, let me not see it because you never know. Not see it? Yeah, right. And I think that's... I don't know, that's kind of... I'm trying to find a way not to be a complete dick about it because that's not productive in the least possible way. But... So let me take a deep breath. Okay, you don't have to be a dick. It doesn't help anybody. Let's do this in a non-dickish way. I guess what it is is that I find that certain topics don't lead to good outcomes and unfortunately, politics tend to be one of them for multiple reasons. For one, I think one of it is the structure of the subject itself. Is These are hard, complicated issues. They don't have a simple uh, uh, all-white, all-black solution most of the time. Most of the time, it's a mess to find a solution. It's very clear what the bad ideas are. It's very clear that this approach is terrible and this approach is terrible and this approach is terrible. But when it comes to actually formulating an approach that works, that solves a real problem at hand, it's not that easy. It's, uh, 
And so I feel that in a situation where you can go wrong in a thousand different ways and getting it right is such a delicate balance that's so hard to achieve, almost inevitably, the opinions of people who are less than full-on, ultra-talented, ultra-nuanced, ultra-able to do the they are going to be garbage. Nobody like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's why, you know, you give me Dan Carlin, I listen to him read the phone book. And I also listen to anything he's going to have to say on the topic because I trust that intelligence, that both, both intelligence and emotional intelligence. You know, the fact that he's not just, you know, on one end he's smart, but on the other end, there are many people who are smart and are complete dicks in other ways. Like I like how he is in many other aspects. So, well, he's got predictive skills too. So I'm down with Dan Carlin. Yes, I'll gladly listen to him on politics or anything else. Most other people. So one is there's a problem with the field. Two, I think is the field is almost monopolized by one of two categories of people. Either straight up grifters yep. who are just stoking fear and outrage because they make money on it and they are the scum of the earth. Or you get true believers that are not grifters at all. They really believe in all of this, but they are dogmatic true believers. There's my team versus your team. Uh, There's an overly simplistic reading of reality that becomes painful to behold. I'm not fond of either group. I mean, one is more sincere than the other, but at the end of the day, they are... Sincere about madness. Yeah, it doesn't... So... I kind of, where I'm at is not a solution because I don't think this is an ideal scenario, but where I'm at and maybe it's just being fatigued by dealing with this crap all the time and dealing, and again, it's different today because we hear this opinion in our heads 24-7 through social media. Mm-hmm. But I think the fatigue is taking me to a place where I'm just like, you know what, can we talk about practical things? Can you tell me how you grew your tomatoes that came out better than mine? Can you tell me about uh, uh, your cute grandkids? Can you tell me about uh, how you cook that fantastic food? Can you tell me about very practical, earthy things that are in some way very technical? You know what I mean? I feel like that I'm comfortable with. We can have a productive discussion on that. When we move from that to more complicated issues i feel that the potential for shit to go sideways increased dramatically and those discussions are best saved for very very few people um that's kind of where i'm at on this and it's completely non-democratic because who decide you know what you decide you have a right to an opinion but the next guy doesn't is like hate to tell you but unfortunately the ability to come up with good arguments, good thought process, all of that is not democratically distributed. And of course, so that doesn't mean that you prevent somebody from speaking. It's not like some totalitarian bullshit where it's like, I'm going to decide who gets to have an opinion and who's not. No, of course, everybody does. I just choose not to engage in 99% of cases because I find it a humongous waste of time, energy, and good mood. And what are you going to do when there's so many terrible opinions? Yeah. And ultimately, I find it as... I have to develop this a little further because I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but I seem to... Just by looking at history, 
I seem to see that anytime you are stuck between a rock and a hard place, and there really is no good choice, there are different degrees of bad choices, things turn really ugly, where the pro-rock and pro-hard place groups start really hating each other. But at the end of the day, neither is bringing to the table something that's truly going to solve the problem. You know, they're just arguing about which one is the least shitty option. And that's kind of what I see happening a lot, that even smart people, when you're put in front of this binary choice between crap and worse crap, rarely something good comes out of that. And so that's where I'm like, are we really putting our time and energy into the best are we making the best use Clearly of it? Not. Look what we argue about these days. Right. People want to get in fights. Yeah. Over wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> Some comedian had a great joke. He's like, look, motherfucker, you used to do angel dust. Right. You're worried about this stuff that's going in your arm now? Yeah. You're being microchipped? Just. Yeah. It's, there's no room for discussion. No. They no, clearly it's, think we're wrong. Yeah. I'm completely convinced they're wrong. Right. But what I give you an example. Become? Okay, I give you an example. So the mask thing, yeah. right? Let's not even go into vaccination that gets even more complicated, but let's keep it real simple. Masks. Yeah. Let's say you believe that um, based on, because of course everybody pulls out their study and these studies show masks don't work. Now, what are you talking about? These studies show marks are, masks are great and they work well. And it's like, okay, which one of you guys is a scientist to understand the evidence and can come up with a conclusive argument while you're 100% sure that this guy is correct? Mm -hmm. Most of it is confirmation biases. You want to believe something and you find something that tells you it is. Clearly, I'm not saying the evidence is equal. Clearly, in reality, somebody's going to have it more right than the other. Yeah. But most people are never going to get to that level of discussion because they are going to lack the expertise and the know-how to dig through the data. So let's assume that, let's say, you believe masks don't work, the particles are too small, they get through, even blah, 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 blah. That's fine. Can you just wear one in public just, just in case it helps? Because the fact is, if it doesn't help, you haven't lost a thing. I you know, there's, there's, right, there's nothing. I mean, I literally had, I don't remember if I told you or not. I was chatting with somebody who was telling me they, they had to go from, I forget, from somewhere in the south to up to kind of New, New Jersey. And they were like, ah, I could take the flight. It's a couple of hours, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to drive for 12 hours because I refuse to wear a mask. And I was just like, holy fuck, man. What is wearing a mask going to do to you? Are you going to die because it's stifling? It's like doctors wear masks eight hours a day at work. I've seen people run marathons with masks on. It's not going to mess you up. There's nothing. The worst that you can say is that nothing good is going to come out of it. Okay. I'm not going to argue with that, but we can clearly make a statement that nothing bad is going to come out. So if that's the case, why don't you just put one on? And then if it helps, great, you did a good thing. If it doesn't help, it's essentially a zero, nothing happened, nothing bad happened. So Brush your teeth and go put a mask on, friend. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, and I'm seeing people who are just dying on that hill. And just, Not just dying on the hill. They've reached a point where they're okay to send their children, none of which are vaccinated, into a school and won't even give them the little possibility of a tiny bit of 
safety? Yeah, like what's the worst that happens? What's the Well, we know what's the worst that happens. I think thirty percent of the COVID patients in no, hospital. No, 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 that one now. that one hundred percent. No, I'm saying what's the worst that happens if you put the mask on? Oh, you well, know what I mean? It's the, like the Lord can't hear my prayers is what Jim Baker said recently. Jim Baker's still alive talking shit and he said <sighs> the Lord can't hear your prayers when he has a mask on. So you get all of it just like you're talking about. If you need proof to prove your point, yeah. There's plenty out there oh, yeah. to choose from and they have built I don't know, man. I saw those school uh school board meetings that went haywire. One was in one was in um it's Williamson County. It's wherever it's wherever like the rich folks south of Nashville, mm-hmm. whatever that county is, they're Christian recording artists screaming at doctors, we know who you are. Yeah. As they left the meeting. What are you saying by that? Yeah. What is the threat at that point? Exactly. And these folks aren't going to back down. So no, they're willing and, to let their children die. And I'm talking about cut the mask, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like where I understand. Let's say you think that uh, the vaccines are dangerous, they can fuck you up, whatever. I can't argue with that. I understand, again, we can agree or disagree on the conclusion that we reach based on the evidence, but I understand the thought process better because at least it's like, oh, if I do it, something bad will happen. Okay, I get that. We can see if that assumption is warranted or not, but I understand the thought process. But something where nothing bad will happen and you make this big, gigantic, I'm going to die on this hill in the name of this. It's like, are you really that bored? That you need, that you need these like strong convictions about bullshit. Where it's like, why are we doing this? You know, it's like, and uh, I don't know, man. It just feels like this to me is perfect proof of what I'm saying about like that the political terrain leads to a dramatic decrease in people kindness and intelligence. Like once you enter those discussions, rarely something good is gonna come out. But there's a good chance of a fist fight. Yeah. And I'm like, so why are we doing this? Can can we go back to talking about tomatoes? Yeah. Can we go back to talking about hey reservation docs is awesome? Let's yep. talk about that one. Let, let's keep it Or argue about your it seemed to be twenty years ago the biggest arguments would be the Yankees fans hating on the Red Sox yeah. fans. Like, there was there was always that sort of tumultuous, you know, yeah. they're never gonna agree. But it was over something silly where it didn't matter and they could hoot and holler at each other, but now we've dug it into the safety of our children. So let me throw out there what in an ideal world, yeah. purely utopia, okay? Because how dare you gonna make that happen? But in purely I can't utopia, even out what that would be now? How that the political process would work? So you have uh, um, X number of people who are going to be the elected representatives to deal with the issues at hand at the uh, government level. Yep. And uh, assuming that they are not paid off by 3,000 lobbies, that they have not been bought out in 12 ways, which is already super utopia level. But like... Money out of politics. Yeah, start with that. And then the mentality needs to be... Forget even parties. I don't think it's even healthy to have them running for a party or another because suddenly now I have to defend this asshole who's staying stupid stuff because he's on my side versus the other one. Nothing good is going to come out of it. And rather than being a team versus team game, it's uh, almost the way people, you know how people in the military, 
more often than now when they get out they're like oh the best friends i've ever had and nothing beats that camaraderie when you look down at it as individuals they are probably very different in many ways yep. but the experience of going through they have a common mission they you need to help one another because you're part of the same team and you're trying to achieve the same goal yep. that builds that camaraderie that builds those close ties so I to me you're back to me elected representatives you need to figure out a way to be friends you need to be figure out a way to be friends because ultimately the idea is we are all here for one job which is to make everybody's life better to make everything easier so even if we disagree at the end of the day we need to work with each other because if the teams start fighting it's not different teams fighting with one another it's the same team trying to achieve an objective and just arguing about which strategy is best so i don't care how much you disagree you need to figure out a way to work with the other person to address sometimes compromises are possible sometimes they are not but the idea being we are not here to have an arm wrestling competition over wins who gets their proposal through we are here to push forward a proposal that's going to help as many people as possible and we are going to have different ideas about what that strategy looks like maybe we'll experiment maybe i don't believe that you're right but we can try your way a little bit and see how that goes and maybe we can try my a little bit maybe we can tweak it maybe we can meet somewhere along that range maybe but at the end of the day the whole game should be bunch of people who are open to the idea of changing their mind they are open to the idea of compromise they are open to the idea of trying different experiments and being willing to change their mind based on evidence and ultimately committed to the idea that we are all working as part of a team working together trying to achieve a common goal which is help everyone else and that is not the goal right no that is not not even a particle of it and when you have a whole team that's not looking to disenfranchise as many people as they can yeah because i mean their goal now it's a complete dehumanizing the other side is evil they are straight up evil um most of the time i don't assume people who i have strong disagreements with are evil in the war scenario i think they are painfully stupid at times yeah completely lost but that's a different concept from evil evil you need to squash evil you need to wipe evil out of existence stupid you don't wipe stupid out of existence it's like okay let's figure out a way to work together in a way that leads to something decent now what i'm saying of course is just a statement of intent because just because you know when you get into the nitty-gritty of course it's hard it's hard to come up with strategies that take into account radically different points of view over which strategy is going to work so i'm not saying no it's kumbaya it's all going to work out great but just the minimum starting point is starting from the spot where it's like we are committed to the fact that we work with each other we try to be as friendly as possible and we try to help one another into achieving a common goal yeah that would be in itself that would be a fantastic way to start then the hard work comes in but that's like step one the fact that we're not even close to step one but no. that it's the exact opposite scenario 
I mean, that precludes any step two of, at that point because then it becomes, say, I want to just squash you guys and push my viewpoint, then you want to squash me, and we're just going to essentially waste most of our time trying to choke each other to death. And wait for somebody else to take advantage of the situation. Yeah, and incidentally, in this process, nobody's going to get what they want because you're not going to get... I mean, you are, if you are, again, the paid lobbyist to get to push this one particular thing through and you get your check, but other than that... In terms of actual good solution, nobody's going to get a solution that they are happy with in the sense that it's, oh, this is... So it's a, it's a zero-sum game where everybody loses. And I'm like, can we try a different game? Can we, can we do something other than this shit? Because this is clearly not working and is making interacting with humans complicated. So... In the meantime, until we figure out how to make that happen, please post puppy videos, information about uh, growing good food, uh, information about uh, the awesome food you cook. Uh, that stuff never gets old. You know what I mean? It's like... No, it's refreshing. Or a nice story. Yes. Something nice that happened. Something that funny. Somebody, yes, something, something sweet. Yep. That didn't have to. Yep. Those are good things all the time. Because, man, I can't tell you how many times I've met people that in real life you meet them and they are superficial level, but totally nice, yeah. right? And then you look at the behind the scene and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. How can that nice facade hold so much darkness? Yeah, and you're like... And the problem is that one doesn't negate the other, you know? Both can coexist in the same person, but I just liked it better when I didn't know about that other side, you know? Yeah, I've pondered it for a good two years now, I man. I just don't see how we climb out of this. Yeah, it's... Especially when they want to take it up a notch. And I think, I mean, right now, U.S. sucks in that regard, but it's not that this is not how people operate in general. It goes back to the one disease that we have nailed. We have argued time and time and time again on this podcast. I talk about it all the time because to me it's like one of the number one obstacles to having a good life, which is that dualistic mindset when you're stuck in this extreme dogmatic dualism between yep. nothing good comes out of it. And unfortunately, that's a virus of the human mind. You know, it shows up in all places, all context at some point. It's until we decide to all be on Team Human, I don't think there's a fix for it. Yeah, pretty much. Because you think, that's the easiest place to base it from. Yep. Let's make sure everybody has a decent life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the freedom of what you do with their life may be completely different. How you choose to spend your time is your goddamn business. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Nope good for you, do stuff that I may not agree with, but who cares as long as you're not hurting anybody else. That's the rule. You know, <clears throat> it's what goes on in your bedroom, have yep. a wonderful time, but even further back, let's make sure everybody's got some food. Yeah. Healthcare. Right. Look how much money we blew yeah. in Afghanistan. Right. What could we have cleaned up with $2 trillion? Somebody, I forgot who made this joke. I read this one that was hilarious. They were like, next time you feel bad about yourself, Thinking about the four presidents, $20 trillion, and 20 years that have been spent to uh, transfer Afghanistan from the Taliban to the Taliban, and then you can feel a little better about yourself. Yeah. It's madness. Yeah, it's impressive. It's, all, all, and there weren't any Saudis in Afghanistan uh, or a single Egyptian. No, right. Nothing to do with 
I mean, no, okay, Afghanistan a little more than Iraq, at least. At least there was Bin Laden. At I least there was. Afghanistan made sense initially because yeah. that's where they were camped. Afghanistan, where they came sure. from. The Iraq thing. Iraq did nothing not. But they thought they were going to grab that oil. No, that was a scam. Afghanistan, I understand the initial logic. Good luck getting out. Good luck. You probably should have an exit plan. You probably should know how to. When that mission accomplished, banner up. Right. We fucked them up. Yeah. There's nothing we can do to fix it, but this whole rebuilding shit. Yeah, and it didn't work. Of all people, Assange was saying in 2011 how the trick works. It's like, this has nothing to do with rebuilding sure. the country. It has to do with big military industrial of complexes. Course. The money goes into the country to fix them. Guess who gets that money there? Ah, uh, yep. 4% for schools and some roads. The rest of it is to make sure that the money goes back to the guys. Oh, some people. Supporting the guys that are supporting the war. Roll it over again. Two trillion dollars later, Afghanistan's fucked. That's why when we say, oh, the Afghan policy didn't work at all. Oh, it did work very well for Perfectly some people. Perfectly got a helicopter factory. Yep. For some people, it was work. And we're just blind to it. Uh, yeah. That's I mean, I had a flag on my, on my truck after 9-11. Right. I mean, there was a sort of a moment of unification, but then it went terribly wrong. Oh, yeah. I remember even W was... The Muslims are our enemy. Even at that point, that crazy cracker was kind of doing the right thing. But then, what do they call ultimate, ultimate? Uh, the axis of evil and uh, yeah, that's the evil. But I think the first military incursion was ultimate crusade. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the, Good you, term. You called it what? Nicely done. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't that's know, funny. man. And all of them did it wrong. Man, Obama and his fucking drone attacks. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I think. Biden did something difficult today. I'm not trying to get political. Just, sure. I'm so glad it's fucking over. Yeah, I mean. There wasn't a good way out. No, there was not a good way out. The Definitely not handled well. impressive, even if it was messy. I think when it comes to shit like that, when it comes to the politics, Republican, Democrat, because ultimately when you look at it, it's like, oh my God, there's. They just handed it off to each other. It's fucking awful across the board. Yeah. But to me, when people are like, oh, then why are you slightly easier on one side and the other? I'll give you an example. And this, to me, is like really what it boils down to. Like a few days ago, there was, um, uh, they passed the law that basically started banning some of the most dangerous pesticides. Now, do I like most of what Democrats do? No. Do I like uh, the vast majority? The 90% of them? No, I don't. I think it's shit. Do I get 2% of stuff better with Democrats than we are Republicans? Every single time, you know? And again, you're not talking about much. You're talking about small, small, like out of 300 issues. Democrats are going to blow 298 of them. But I'm going to get two where I'm like, hey, that actually was a step ahead. We Republicans, I get 0.0, .0 every time. So... Again, it's not that I'm saying, yay, Democratic Party is so good. It's not. It's shit. Oh. But I, occasionally I get something mildly good, whereas I never, ever do with Republican policies. And I think that's what it boils down to, you know, when it's like, okay, one side started taking some poison out of my food and the other guys are like, what? More poison is the best. And clean water? Who yeah. wants clean water? Exactly. So that's kind of where it's at but of course then you look at so much of what democrats are about and you're like yeah this is not not only is not 
good, but it's not even decent half of the time. You know, it's like well, it all seems to be cling to power at this point. Is the only thing they care yeah. about. And that's the worst possible case. Yeah, and so in that sense, it's like, do you need to reinvent the political game so that it's none of these terrible teams fighting one another? And yes, 100%. In the meantime, I'll still pick the one that's occasionally take some poison out rather than not. But I understand that's an extremely low bar to go by. Yeah. But still, if that's the only game in town, that's where it's at. What would you, what would you think if we had the multiple parties where we had a bill coalition? I that think always seems to be sticky, too. Yeah, it's shit anyway. It England doesn't... always has trouble with it. It never really gets a strong majority we get anything yeah. either because they're all worried about... It sucks either way. No, I'm all in favor of having... Uh, the Rock and Keanu Reeves as your figurehead presidents who then get uh, 300 technical advisors who are specialists in different fields yep. who all make a commitment to, hey, let's work a solution that's as good for everybody as possible. And if we don't agree, let's run experiments. And I, I, I will be down with that plan. Maybe just random selection from the phone book for representatives. <laughs> well, the problem is... As much as I dislike the political elite, which is the shit of the earth, I'm not exactly that much more trusting in the, the average person. I think there was a, somebody sent me, oh, was, um, somebody sent me a joke by Osho where he was like, oh yeah, America, it's a great idea of uh, the government uh, by the people and for the people. But what happens when the people are completely dumbass? You know, I forgot how he phrased it. It was funnier. But that was the basic message, right? Is I, I think it was in Astronomy Magazine, of all things. I was reading an article about how these folks are realizing that we've always been listed as social creatures. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, we are tribal creatures. Mm -hmm. And I think so long with nobody being in a tribe, maybe it's come around these 400, 500, 600 years where the backlash is... They'll grab onto anything. And I think that's exactly the model, right? Without trying to over-romanticize or idealize tribal living, which of course comes with its own set of problems. But at the end of the day, a tribe is a common theme. The common theme, which by the way, I keep pronouncing theme like T-H-E-M-E. -E. I'm trying to say T-E-A-M, but I usually... There are so many words in the English language that I somehow always say the same. Well, it like, doesn't help that we have several that are spelled the same way. Yeah, but they are, I mean, Isabella and Savannah laugh their ass off because they are like, say these. And I'm like, they sound like bowl that you kick mm -hmm. and bowl as in a bowl of soup. I don't hear the difference between those. Kick the bowl. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or I do uh, the number three and the actual three with leaves. They sound exactly the same to me. I don't even hear it anymore. And I know better, but <laughs> I'm like, every time I'm like, no, I still end up. But in any case. As long as you say category every couple of episodes, right? I'm going to be happy for That I don't so. even try to correct cause by now because I'm like, ah, it's it's part of the trademark. Well, and that's the British pronunciation anyway. So Do they do it that way? Yeah, oh, in that case, classes the place up a little no, bit. No, in that case, I want to <laughs> drop it. <laughs> <laughs> like a tribe is... A, is is a unit. You work together. You may not always like everybody. You may not always agree with everybody, but you depend on each other for your survival. Mm -hmm. You are in that sense like the army where you develop this brotherhood regardless of the fact that you are probably very different human beings as individuals. You need that's how it works, right? A tribe is built on the fact that if you don't figure out a way to work together, the whole thing is going to collapse and you're all going to starve. And that's what we're doing. So 
the inequalities that is rage is never not even the pharaohs were as rich as these folks are right we crushed our middle class which used to keep everything generated so you got a lot more poor people and a lot more rich people and then the folks that kind of made Yuck. it make sense the ones that benefit don't give a fuck yeah, pretty much, which is damn on their part too, because at the end of the day, the whole game collapses unless you find a way to make it work for other people as well. You can benefit the most, but you still need to give enough benefit that you don't have the whole system imploding. And how do you refix this whole giant thing that we have here? Because I remember as a kid, oh, it's the melting pot. Right. Bullshit. My stew, yeah. there's chunks here and there. I still believe that there's a possibility of that. I think there's enough decent folks that we could pull it off, but there's it, so many folks that are it's back and forth, right? Some of it works. Some of it, I mean, if you look at it, in some way, if you want to be optimistic, if you look at what uh, racial relations were like 100 years ago yep. or even 70 years ago, and you look at where we are today, you're like, wow, that is such a dramatic, fast change in a short period of time by human standards, not by a human life, but definitely by a social life. Sure. That is like, man, that has been tremendous progress in a really short time. Uh, of course, because our lives are shorter than a society's life, they sometimes the progress doesn't feel that tremendous. But if you look at it from the outside with a 300-year look at it, you're like, God things have gotten a lot better in that regard so sometimes you got to celebrate the wins uh, even if they don't feel as uh, full or satisfying or as uh, ideal as they should be you're still like you know what look where we started look where we are it's a pretty big step you know someone said to me the other day you know you can sense like oh look this is a terrible time to be here it's like yeah if you exclude every day of history before this right. moment. It's like, yeah, go back to the 1850s. It was great. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know? I don't know. We seem to be smart creatures and we do like to make each other laugh and sing songs and those parts of us are incredible. Yeah. But this deep rooted hate of yeah. each other. So going back to what you said, like the team, the, the arm, I wish this country was that way. I wish we were all on the same page and I don't see why it's so impossible. I understand that there's ignorance sure. man let's build these bullet trains let's get people moving around and meeting each other the simple i still stick to we should do exchange programs within the united states right if you some bring some country kids into the city and just show them that yeah there's a homeless problem here and yeah you know it's not perfect but we're not what they what you think you are right and the folks that live in these cities take them out of these glorious country landscapes and be on the farm for a little while and I think we could find enough to at least take some pressure off of it. I mean, to me, in some ways, it's a symptom of powerlessness because when you feel powerless because you're not manifesting the life that you think, like you see all these 10 ways in which life could be better, there's nothing you can do to make them happen. So you are pissed off, so you need something to yell at and you're like, oh, the reason why we can't have good things is because of these assholes over here, right? Yep. And it's how everybody has always sold it. It's like, oh, the reason why we don't have utopia on earth is because these evil non-Christians are polluting with their devilish way. Or the reason why is because uh, the communist revolution will not triumph until every single one of the evil bourgeois has been exterminated. Or the reason why. There's always a reason why. When the reality is, if you had all the power, you'd still 
would have a hard time manifesting those 10 good things you wanted to happen, you know, because these are things that require, they are not easy. They are not easy at all. But I think the scapegoating is easier and it gives you something to focus your rage and frustration over the fact that you're not getting the ideal world you wanted by by having somebody that you can blame for all the problems. You know, it's like it's their fault. If only it wasn't for them, we would all figure it out, which is always why usually revolutions fail because you all agree on who the bad guy is. But once the bad guy is gone and you actually have the responsibility to fix the place, it's like, uh, can we can we get a new bad guy? Because that was more bad guys. That was easier to argue about that than <laughs> actually now it's on me to figure it all out and this shit is difficult. Ooh, I don't like it so much. And there's no change in anybody's mind. Yeah, but on a different note, earlier you mentioned the whole, uh, or maybe it was in a previous episode, I think it was at the ending of a previous episode, the whole Apple doesn't fall far from the three concepts. So I've been doing this thing. I started, I've been looking, I think my dad, if I counted correctly, has like 22 books that he wrote. Granted, most of them are like 100 pages or something, not even. They are sometimes really short, manifesto-style kind of thing. But he has a lot of writing, right? So I've been going back, and I'm like, I'm going to read them all again. I mean, I read them all over time, but like, I'm going to read them all, and I'm going to write down, take notes, and write down what the key themes are in his... Like, if I'm to sum up, what's his philosophy? What were the key ideas that he pushed forward? I want to have a sense of what they are. So as I'm reading... I'm going to jot notes, take them down, and start seeing common patterns that show How up. How far into this are you? I read, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four books. So there's a way so to far. go. Yeah, there's a long way to go. I wonder, wow, I wonder if it swirls over time, if it shifts, or if he's pretty consistent. Mostly consistent. Occasionally specific examples change or how he feels about specific issues change, but the general pattern of uh, the ideas tend to be consistent. And here is the part that tripped me out. I started going through it, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, have I ever had a single original thought on my own? Because I'm looking at his stuff, and I'm like, the examples are different. The vibe behind it is different. What he does with these ideas is different. But every single one of the key ideas that I'm isolating are stuff that I go by. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. I thought I was having some original ideas. I had a discussion with a friend of my dad, and he was like, it's not as much as you say. I'm like, what do you mean? It's all fucking there. It's like everything <laughs> I argue, it's right there. And he's like, yes and no, because he says, yes, for sure. At the same time, there's uh, there was a bit of a, more of a two-way street that you imply, because even when you, know, you weren't writing or anything, but you are reading some stuff, you are talking about some stuff, and you were, he would then borrow those ideas because he liked them. And so there was some of the stuff that you read in print is also because you started that discussion with him <laughs> that influenced him. So it's, he it's saw a that little more two ways than you would think. I'm like, maybe. But, you know, it's pretty trippy reading his stuff. And I'm like, oh, damn. I mean, there's so, like, even, like, one key thing that's at the roots of so much of my philosophical worldview is a lot of Taoist thinking is there. Now, he barely ever mentioned Taoism. But when I look at some of the things he hammers on are straight up Taoism. I don't know how he got it. I don't know where it comes from for him. But he has this thing that his taste for paradox 
his taste for putting together when placed in front of two seemingly mutually opposite alternatives, finding a way where you actually using both is better. Is there in everything. He always has this vibe of not this and that, but this and that. Uh, rather, not this or that, but this and that, right? No. To combine... His whole gig is combining things, mixing things, finding... Not his whole, there are many other things, but that's a key element of his philosophy, is this notion of uh, uh, intellectual and physical, uh, very pop and very high culture, very, you know, nothing is... He finds any one field in itself kind of a ghetto, and he's interested in this mixing of words, of bringing them together, of bringing like what many people keep as uh, opposite archetypes, bringing them in the same thing. Complexity. Yeah. It and makes I'm everything like, better. Oh, I see a pattern there. I see where this, uh, which is funny too, because, and this leads me to where I'm at with this stuff. Because I've seen uh, with my daughter, she's, a really good writer she's uh, as insane verbal skills like again i think i mentioned before like they were saying that her vocabulary is beyond college level it's insane her ability to express herself in a written way it's off the charts it's uh, ridiculous right but that does not impress me that much to be honest because like i look at that shit it's like that's all you grow up around you know, you grow. I grew up with my dad writing twenty-some books. You grew up with me writing books, making my living with words, expressing myself, doing things like that. Of course, I mean not of course, because some people grow up with all that and they don't get any good. But it's all handed the same way as it was handed. I'm impressed with my dad because he didn't grow up with that. But for me, I grew up with all that shit. It's not exactly something to say. Whoa, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> same thing with my daughter. I'm like, eh. You know, good job. That's nice. But, and I don't discount it. I mean, I'm like, no, that is very good. I'm glad. But I'm not that impressed. What impresses me, though, is she's um, she's a really kick-ass singer. And not only that, but she's able to, like, she wrote a song recently. And, um, fuck, I mean. And I swear, it's not just me being partial. I had other people listen without telling them, and they're like, oh, who's this girl? And they're like, god damn, it's amazing. It's like so catchy, stuck in your head. It's perfect. It's, who is that? It's like, oh, it's my 12-year-old. They're like, what the f Are you kidding me? And that blows me away, because I don't know the fucking first thing about music, right? I listen to it. I enjoy listening, but I don't know how to make it. I have no idea how to write it. I have no idea. I have no sense of rhythm. I can't sing. I have none of that shit. So to me, something that's just her and her alone blows me away because to me, I, I think I get excited by the novelty. Whereas again, you write me a great thing. I'm like, that's cool. But again, I know how to do that. I've, I've seen that process. Something that comes completely from her, I'm just like, ooh, that's something else. That's all yours. That's all you. I had nothing to do with that. She has many good uh, arrows in her quiver. So Fuck yeah. I had um, Ulysses Bella from Ozomatli. Who, by the way, if you guys have never listened to Ozomatli, they're a phenomenal group. I love those guys. I listen Hopefully to them. Hopefully they'll all. be by at some point. Or maybe we'll be backstage. Yep. The, he came by one day... He's a great guy, by the way. Ulysses is... He's a big dude. 
really solid big guy and he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu so we got to roll out here and he's so gentle so nice zero ego not he out to hurt in, anybody he, the, he, he puts himself in the worst possible position to let you work uh, he'll get out if you don't do anything but if you do something right he'll let you have it and tap and it's like exactly the most mellow friendly attitude ever on the mat and it also translates to outside right and uh, I love Ulysses. He's just such a cool guy. And I was asking him about, hey, what do you think it is about is that, what's about her voice? Because, I mean, I've heard a lot of people who can uh, sing well. Right. So she sings well, but it seems to be that there's, people seem to respond a little more to her voice than other people who are technically good. Uh, he had the best line. He goes like, well, you know, some people can sing the blues, and some people can sing the blues. Mm -hmm. And he was like, dude, there's an emotion behind it that you cannot, it's not technique. There's a way that you put emotion into your voice that comes from a place that you need to have had those emotions in the first place. If you have read about them, it's not the same thing. So it's uh, absolutely true. You need to have had a certain life, a certain emotional depth that you cannot fake. That's not technique. That's not, that's something else entirely. And she's got it, and somebody else who's technically good does not. And I was like, okay, I get it. That makes sense to me. Lyrics make you think thoughts. Music makes you feel. Songs make you feel thoughts. Right? Pretty much. Yeah. That's, um, so that's something that excites me, and that's something that is not the the whole apple tree because when i look at myself i'm like dude i like myself but honestly i can see where everything in me come from you know i can see where well not everything there are a few specific things that are they are kind of weird outliers that is like who the hell you know like my dad never cared about things i spend a lot of time doing martial arts or native cultures or things that i'm very drawn to never cared for but when you look at the bigger picture the ideas the principle reading writing all that is like there's a one-to-one -one ratio between what got put into me and how i turned out you sure. know i just adapted it and used it in different specific ways i like seeing with is how there's a whole side of her that has nothing to do with me and uh Literally. Yeah, I, I'm just like, fuck, man, this is beautiful to see. Because it's one thing to have your little mini-me where you're putting stuff in and you love seeing it grow into a different, clearly it's a different person than you. But I love, love seeing where it's like, I have no idea where that came from, but that's all you. And that's also pretty cool. It, uh, I don't know. It's one of the things that, especially in these days when I've been fairly antisocial and I'm like, I don't want to talk about shit. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, if you get me talking about our music, I get really sparkly-eyed and excited. You know, I just... Well, let it grow naturally. Yeah. yeah. No reason yeah. to force it. Well, we're done. I'll play it for you. Excellent. I'll, I'll do that. Cool, guys. Well, on that note, I think we're going to let you off to your hopefully beautiful day. If it's not a beautiful day, maybe you can make it 1% more beautiful through sheer willpower. 
<laughs> just by being nice to somebody. Yes. And maybe, yeah, you can make somebody else day 1% more beautiful. That would be a win in my book. What if everybody did that for a month? Yeah. And even if I never get to hear about it, never get to meet you, never get to see you, if you do that, you are officially my hero. And I love you for that. Perfect. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode. Episode 206. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I guess let's give uh, Kiva a shout out. Absolutely. Kiva.org. Your fellow listeners. We're almost at $200,000 in loans. Loan it. Get paid back. Loan again. It's been cranking out like a son of a bitch. I just... Remain unbelievably pleased with how well that's all gone. So many strangers helped in so many ways. Another one that we didn't do in the intro, but we should. Thank you to Daisy House for the music. Absolutely. With that in mind, let's wish everybody a great day, and we'll catch you on the other side. Au revoir. There we go. Sweet. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo cazzo, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about. translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Wow!